Chapter 36 Yet one caution let me give, by the way, to my present or future reader, who is actually melancholy, that he read not the symptoms or prognostics of the following tract, lest by applying that which he reads to himself, aggravating, appropriating things generally spoken to his own person, as melancholy men for the most part do, he trouble or hurt himself, and get in conclusion more harm than good. I advise them therefore warily to peruse that tract. Robert Burton, The Anatomy of Melancholy, Oxford, 1621, Introduction It was obvious that there was something between Belbo and Lorenzo Pellegrini. I didn't know exactly what it was or how long it had been going on. Abulafia's files did not help me to reconstruct the story. There is no date, for example, on the file about the dinner with Dr. Wagner. Belbo knew Dr. Wagner before my departure, and may well have been in contact with him after I started working at Garamont, which was when, in fact, I got to know him myself. So the dinner could have been before or after the evening I have in mind. If it was before, then I understand Belbo's embarrassment, his solemn desperation. Dr. Wagner, an Austrian who for years had been practicing in Paris, hence the pronunciation Wagner for those who wanted to boast of their familiarity with him, had been coming to Milan regularly for about ten years at the invitation of two revolutionary groups of the post-68 period. They fought over him, and of course each group gave a radically different interpretation of his thought. How and why this famous man allowed himself to be sponsored by extremists I never understood. Wagner's theories had no political color, so to speak, and, had he wanted, he could easily have been invited by the universities, the clinics, the academies. I believe he accepted the invitations because he was basically an Epicurean and required regal expense accounts. The private hosts could raise more money than the institutions, and for Dr. Wagner this meant first-class tickets, luxury hotels, plus fees in keeping with his therapist rates for the lectures and seminars. Why the two groups found ideological inspiration in Wagner's theories was another story, but in those days Wagner's brand of psychoanalysis seemed sufficiently deconstructive, diagonal, libidinal, and non-Cartesian to provide some theoretical justification for revolutionary activity. It proved difficult to get the workers to swallow it, so at a certain point the two groups had to choose between the workers and Wagner. They chose Wagner which gave rise to the theory that the new revolutionary protagonist was not the proletarian, but the deviate. Instead of deviating the proletariat, they would do better to proletarianize the deviates, which would be more economical considering Dr. Wagner's prices, Belbo said to me one day. The Wagnerian revolution was the most expensive in history. Garamond, subsidized by a university psychology department, had published a translation of Wagner's minor essays, very technical, nearly impossible to find, and therefore in great demand among the faithful. Wagner had come to Milan for a publicity lunch, and that was when his acquaintance with Belbo began. File name, Dr. Wagner The Diabolical Dr. Wagner, 26th Installment Who, on that grey morning of... During the discussion I raised an objection. The satanic old man must have been irritated, but he didn't let it show. On the contrary, he replied as if he wanted to seduce me. Like Charlus was Jupien, bee and flower. A genius can't bear not being loved. He must immediately seduce the dissenter, make the dissenter love him. He succeeded. I loved him. 
but he must not have forgiven me because that evening of the divorce he dealt me a mortal blow. Unconsciously, instinctively, not thinking, he seduced me, and unconsciously he punished me, though it cost him, deontologically, he psychoanalyzed me free. The unconscious bites even its handlers. Story of the Marquis de Lontenac in Quatre-Vingt-Treize The ship of the Vendéans is sailing through a storm off the Breton coast. Suddenly a cannon slips its moorings, and as the ship pitches and rolls it begins a mad race from rail to rail, an immense beast smashing larboard and starboard. A cannoneer, alas, the very one whose negligence had left the cannon improperly secured, seizes a chain and with unparalleled courage flings himself at the monster, which nearly crushes him, but he stops it, bolts it fast, leads it back to its stall, saving the ship, the crew, the mission. With sublime liturgy the fearsome Lontanac musters all the men on deck, praises the cannoneer's heroism, takes an impressive medal from around his own neck and puts it on the man, embraces him, and the crew makes the welkin ring with its hurrahs. Then stern Lontanac, reminding the honored sailor that he was responsible for the danger in the first place, orders him to be shot. Splendid, just Lontanac, man of virtue, above corruption, and this is what Dr. Wagner did for me. He honored me with his friendship and executed me with the truth. And executed me, revealing to me what I desired, revealing to me that the thing that I desired, I feared. Begin the story in a bar, the need to fall in love. Some things you can feel coming. You don't fall in love because you fall in love. You fall in love because of the need, desperate to fall in love. When you feel that need, you have to watch your step, like having drunk a filter, the kind that makes you fall in love with the first thing you meet. It could be a duck-billed platypus. Because at that time I felt the need. I had just given up drinking. Relationship between the liver and the heart. A new love is a good reason for going back to drink. Somebody to go to a bar with, feel good with. The bar is brief furtive. It allows you a long, sweet expectation through the day. Then you go and hide in the shadows among the leather chairs. At six in the evening there's nobody there. The sordid clientele comes later with the piano man. Choose a louche American bar empty in the late afternoon. The waiter comes only if you call him three times, and he has the next martini ready. It has to be a martini, not whiskey, a martini. The liquid is clear. You raise your glass and you see her over the olive. The difference between looking at your beloved through a dry martini straight up, where the glass is small, thin, and looking at her through a martini on the rocks through thick glass and her face broken by the transparent cubism of the ice. The effect is doubled if you each press your glass to your forehead, feeling the chill, and lean close until the glasses touch. Forehead to forehead with two glasses in between. You can't do that with martini glasses. The brief hour of the day. Afterward, trembling, you await another day, free of the blackmail of certainty. He who falls in love in bars doesn't need a woman all his own. He can always find one on loan. His role. He allowed her great freedom. He was always traveling. His suspect generosity. I could telephone even at midnight. He was there. You weren't. He said you were out. Actually, while I have you on the line, do you have any idea where she is? the only moments of jealousy, but still in that way I was taking Cecilia from the sax player, to love or believe you love as an eternal priest of an ancient vengeance. With Sandra things were complicated. That time she decided I was too involved. Our life as a couple had become strained. 
Should we break up? Let's break up, then. No, wait, let's talk it over. No, we can't go on like this. The problem, in a nutshell, was Sandra. When you hang out in bars, the drama of love isn't the women you find, but the women you leave. Then comes the dinner with Dr. Wagner. At the lecture, he had just given a heckler a definition of psychoanalysis. La psychanalyse? C'est contre l'homme et la femme, cher ami. Ça ne colle pas. There was discussion, the couple, divorce as a legal fiction. Taken up by my own problems, I participated intensely. We allowed ourselves to be drawn into dialectical exchanges, speaking while Wagner was silent, forgetting there was an oracle in our presence, and it was with a pensive, and it was with a sly expression, and it was with melancholy detachment, and it was as if he entered our conversation playfully off the subject. He said, I remember his exact words, they are carved on my mind, In professional life not once have I had a patient made neurotic by his own divorce. The cause of the trouble was always the divorce of the other. Dr. Wagner always said other with a capital O. I gave a start as if bitten by an asp. The Viscount started as if bitten by an asp. A cold sweat beaded his brow. The Baron peered at him through the lazy whorls of smoke from his thin Russian cigarette. Are you saying, I asked, that a person has a breakdown not because he is divorced, but on account of the divorce which may or may not happen of the third party, that is, of the one who created the crisis for the couple of which he is a member? Wagner looked at me with the puzzlement of a layman who encounters a mentally disturbed person for the first time. He asked me what I meant. To tell the truth, whatever I meant, I had expressed it badly. I tried to be more concrete. I took a spoon from the table and put it next to a fork. Here, this is me, Spoon, married to her, Fork. And here is another couple. She's Fruit Knife, married to Steak Knife, alias Mackie Messer. Now I, Spoon, believe I'm suffering because I have to leave Fork and I don't want to. I love Fruit Knife, but it's all right with me if she stays with Steak Knife. And now you're telling me, Dr. Wagner, that the real reason I'm suffering is that Fruit Knife won't leave Steak Knife. Is that it? Wagner told someone else at the table that he had said nothing of the sort. What do you mean you didn't say it? You said that not once had you come across anyone made neurotic by his own divorce. It was always the divorce of the other. That may be. I don't remember, Wagner said then, bored. If you did say it, did you mean what I understood you to mean? Wagner was silent for a few moments. While the others waited, not even swallowing, Wagner signaled for his wine glass to be filled. He looked carefully at the liquid against the light and finally spoke. What you understood was what you wanted to understand. Then he looked away, said it was hot, hummed an aria, moved a breadstick as if he were conducting an orchestra, yawned, concentrated on a cake with whipped cream, and finally, after another silence, asked to be taken back to his hotel. The others looked at me as if I had ruined a symposium from which words of wisdom might have come. The truth is that I had heard truth speak. I telephoned, you were at home, and with the other. I spent a sleepless night. It was all clear. I couldn't bear your being with him. Sandra had nothing to do with it. Six dramatic months followed in which I clung to you, breathed down your neck, trying to undermine your couplehood, telling you I wanted you for myself, convincing you that you hated the other. You began quarreling with him, and he grew jealous, demanding. 
He never went out in the evening, and when he was traveling he called twice a day in the middle of the night, and one night he slapped you. You asked me for money so you could run away. I collected the little I had in the bank. You abandoned the conjugal bed, went off to the mountains with friends, no forwarding address. The other telephoned me in despair, asked if I knew where you were. I didn't know, but it looked as if I were lying, because you had told him you were leaving him for me. When you returned, you announced Radiant that you had written him a letter of farewell. I wondered then what would happen with me and Sandra, but you didn't give me time to worry. You told me you had met this man with a scar on his cheek and a very gypsy apartment. You were going to live with him. Don't you love me any more? Of course I do. You're the only man in my life, but after everything that's happened, I need to have this experience. Don't be childish. Try to understand. After all, I left my husband for you. Let people follow their tempo. Their tempo? You're telling me you're going off with another man. You're intellectual and a leftist. Don't act like a mafioso. I'll see you soon. I owe everything to Dr. Wagner.